will be the power of Pentecost. This is Pentecost Sunday, 50 days after Easter. In the Jewish calendar, 50 days after Passover, when they celebrated the Feast of Pentecost, which was sometimes called the Feast of Harvests or the Feast of First Fruits, when they came with a wheat or grain offering and, and gave it to the priest to wave as an offering before the Lord. They also often uh, sacrificed blood offerings in that celebration of Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost is the Greek name for that day. They used more than one name in the Jewish calendar. All of that really is just a matter of uh, perhaps slight interest to us because that's not what's important today. What's important today is that this is a day in the New Testament church where the power of God and the authority of God and the glory of God was established publicly for all to see. Not just that Jesus died and rose again from the dead, but that now he had fulfilled his promise when he said he would give us another comforter who would be a great provider for us of the many things the Lord wants us to have. Jesus said to his disciples, it is expedient for you that I go away. Or it's advantageous for you. It is for your benefit that I go away. That was a hard concept for them. They were accustomed to having him in the flesh. It would be a hard thing for us to realize and to accept that we're going, uh, that we're going to give Jesus up in effect and see him no more. But Jesus said in, in, a, in a, just a commonplace language term, he said, you will be better off when I'm gone than you are now. Because when I'm gone, I will send you a comforter who will be with you always at all times. I try not to get distracted up here. And I very rarely do. But we've got to do something about these windows because I see something every Sunday looking through them that I don't want to see. And it's outside, of course. And I just saw somebody, people walk, you know, I'm, I apologize, I'm just getting this off my brain here. People walk, they walk their dogs, they walk, they walk together, they walk independently, they jog, they do all kinds of things. I've seen everything from pit bulls to little terriers. Really, I was getting in my car one day and somebody had to hold a dog back to keep from coming at me. And I thought, what? Then I looked a little closer. Oh, that's a pit bull. I thought, if I ever see that dog around here again, I'm going to invite them not to come back. I don't invite people not to come very often, but... And I just somebody saw somebody walk by that over there. I guess they're just exercising, wearing a bikini. There's no beach that way. I don't know why they're going that way. <laughs> I'm not distracted by it. Of course, I'm just talking about it to get it. I just, I just, it, was, it just floored me because I've never seen that before. I've seen all kinds of things over there, but that's the first time I've ever seen that. Oh, dear Lord. Would be on Pentecost Sunday, wouldn't it? All right. So, so, so Jesus said, and we know it's true, 
that we really are better off that he's gone away because he promised to send the comforter of the Holy Spirit, and he did because he always keeps his promises. And so he said to us that the Holy Spirit would teach us all things. And he said the Holy Spirit would teach us all things about himself, Jesus. And if you find that experience with anyone who can do that, you have a wonderful blessing and benefit. And that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. When Jesus promised the Holy Spirit, I believe it was on the occasion of his ascension. It's mentioned two or three times in the four Gospels and the first chapter of the book of Acts, what Jesus said as he was getting ready to leave. Now, I cannot absolutely definitively prove this as a fact, but I do believe I can justify this position I take by the various things that the Scripture says. In the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul said that Jesus at one time was seen on one occasion by more than 500 brethren. He says he, says he, he appeared to, uh, to, uh, to Peter, he appeared to the, the apostles, and he appeared to more than 500 brethren at once. There's no record, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, of any appearance following his resurrection where there were as many as 500 people present. There's no appearance named where there were that many people there. But we know that there was an appearance to 500 people because the Apostle Paul said so. And he received the revelation from God the Father and the Holy Spirit about the New Testament gospel. But more than that even, or at least in, in addition to that, Paul was present as Saul of Tarsus during the lifetime of Jesus. He was not a follower or a believer. He was not a believer after Jesus died, and then even after he rose from the dead, he was not a believer. He wasn't a believer until, until Jesus himself personally encountered him on the road to Damascus. But Paul had to know the things that happened during the lifetime of Jesus, and all the revelation that came to him from the Holy Spirit after he was saved. So he says there was a time when Jesus, after his resurrection, appeared to more than 500 brethren at once. The only place that I can find that would legitimately be justified for an event like that is the time of his ascension. When on the Mount of Olives he said to his followers that he, it, it, it's time for him to go away. And he said to them, on that occasion, you are to wait. The King James says, tarry. You are to wait in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. The Holy Spirit is going to come, and when he comes and infuses your life, he's going to bring power into your life. You're to wait in Jerusalem. In fact, if you read the various versions, you will find that it, is, it, it says that he commanded them to stay in Jerusalem. He ordered them to stay in Jerusalem. He charged them to stay in Jerusalem until they received the Holy Spirit. He didn't tell them when the Holy Spirit was coming. He didn't name the day of Pentecost. He didn't name how many hours, how many days it would be. You were just to stay in the city of Jerusalem. They were in the upper room when the Holy Spirit came because they had called a meeting. But 
would they call that meeting only 120 of them appeared? That's according to Acts chapter 1. I find it almost shocking, to some extent amazing, that Jesus must have said those words to more than 500 people as he was getting ready to ascend to heaven. But of the 500 that he spoke those words to, only 120 of them were in the upper room when they received the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Some of them are named, all of them are not. It doesn't matter who they all were. There were 120 of them that Jesus spoke to who stayed and kept his word. Now, if he said that to more than 500 people, and again, the Bible doesn't clearly, plainly say this was the occasion that 500 were there. But if I had time to do it and we're sitting down in a discussion, I could tell you all the reasons through the Gospels and through the first part of Acts that I believe that this was that occasion. If you question me about that, I'll be glad to sit down and discuss it with you sometime. But if this is the case, if I'm right and this was the 500, the time when the 500 were there, then you can be sure that there were a lot of people who did not take his order seriously or did not pay any attention to it or just decided that they had better things to do than to obey what the Lord had commanded them to do. Stay in Jerusalem and if you stay in Jerusalem, you will be a part of this great infusion of the Holy Spirit and you will receive the great promise that I have made to you in the fulfillment of that promise and you will receive the great power from the Holy Spirit. Those who left missed it. And this is the point out of all of that that I want to make to you. When God is ready to do something great, the day of Pentecost is one of the greatest events in the history of the church from then until now. When God is ready to do something great and you have opportunity to be a part of it, when God is ready to do something powerful and it's possible for you to be there to receive what he's doing, when God has a plan and a purpose, and he always does, Usually his plan and his purpose culminates with some glorious victory. You have an opportunity to be a part of that and you miss it. You are missing God's greatest gift for your life. And these people missed it because they did not do what the Lord had told them. I don't know why. I, I, have, no, I have no excuses to offer for them. And even if I knew why, it wouldn't matter. They just were not there as he told them to be there. And my friend, if you are not in the place where God tells you to be, if you're not in the place where God has told you to be, if you're not in the place where God wants you to be and expects you to be, if you're not in that place, you are going to miss something in the plan of God for you. You're, it was the plan of God for all of those people to be there, for all more than 500 of them received the baptism of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. But they didn't keep his word so they didn't receive it. If you're not in that place where God has planned for you to be and where God wants you to be and where God's putting you, you are going to miss something that is a great opportunity, a great victory, a great gift of God, a great empowerment from God. You're going to miss that in your life. You can be in the place where the greatest revival that you've ever seen and ever heard about is happening. You can be where God's doing miracles. You can be where God's answering prayer. And this, by the way, is a church where God is answering prayer. This is a church where God's doing great things in people's lives. Stop and talk to somebody 
and ask them what God's doing for them here. There are people all over this place sitting here this morning who will tell you God's done something wonderful for me in my life. It didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen in an hour. But since I've been exposed to the Spirit of God and I've been where God's working, where the power of God is real and I'm in the midst of that, God's been doing something changing my life. I've heard many of you say it over and over. But I will tell you this. You can be in the very place where God's doing great and wonderful things, where God's power is moving gloriously, and where God's plan is for great, overwhelming victory. You can be right there sitting on that pew, in that location, and miss everything that God's doing. And especially if you are not where God's told you to be, walk carefully, walk carefully. When somebody says, I I've, always got, I've almost got to the place when, that I cringe when I hear this. When I hear somebody say, well, the Lord led me. I start to cringe. Because I think most people, most Christians, don't know when God's leading them. Don't know where God's leading them. Don't know why God's leading them. Don't know if God's leading them. But they heard somebody else say it. And they said, well, the Lord's leading me. Listen, friend. God leads you in positive directions. God doesn't lead you. I, 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 I'm going to digress just a moment to bring this up. It keeps coming to my mind as I tell you. I wrote a column in, in uh, the, the, my Faith Walk column. And I've had more people comment on this column than I, I don't know when I've had. I've written one. I've had as many people comment on it. Did anybody happen to read the column that I wrote for the newspaper that also came out of the email called Rebellion? I, 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 I had somebody sitting at a table with me, and he said, Pastor, that column you wrote in the paper last week was, 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 was really powerful to me. And, I, and I, I had to say which one because it comes out in the paper one week, and it comes out in the email version the next week. So if you read in the paper, you read a week ahead. If you read in the email version, you read it the next week. So I, when he said that, I didn't know which one he meant. And so he said, no, the one that, he said, the one, it wasn't that I didn't remember I'd written it, I just remember which one he's talking about. And he said, the one you wrote on rebellion. And then after that, somebody else commented on it, and I've had several people comment on that. And so I didn't think it was anything special, but I'm just saying that to tell you, maybe you ought to read that too. If it blessed a lot of people, maybe it'd be a good thing to read it. And if you've already deleted it from your email so you can't go back and find it, it came out last Tuesday, this past Tuesday in your email. I think that's right. I might be confused again. Uh, yes, that's right. Last Tuesday. It was in the paper. Then it was in the, in the email. If you, if you deleted it, go find those recently deleted and see if you can get it and read it. If not, call the office and they'll send, you, send it to you again. I, it, I, I, it just was something about rebellion that touched people's hearts. And, and, and I rejoiced at that. And I, I brought that in right now because what I'm talking about really is that very thing. And a lot of people... A lot of people, yes, I, I, I wish it were just a few, but a lot of people really say the Lord is leading me in something, and they think he's leading them in rebellion. And God never does that. God doesn't lead you into anything divisive in your family or in your church or at your job. God leads you into positive directions. God leads you into uplifting places. And rebellion will destroy you, my friends. It will destroy you spiritually. And these people who left Jerusalem, when Jesus told them to stay there and said to them, wait 
This is my commandment. Wait in the city of Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. And more of them left than stayed. And they would have said, well, I'm just going for a while. They would have made some excuse. They would have had a reason they thought within themselves. But the bottom line is this. When you don't do what God tells you to do, when you don't follow the commandment of the Lord, when you don't follow the word of God, when you don't listen to the Holy Spirit and do what the Holy Spirit is leading you to do, you are in rebellion. And God never blesses rebellion His word declares that it is as the sin of witchcraft. I don't know if you know how powerful that is or not. But I hope you'll dwell on it somewhat today. And and, and think about this. Because I can tell you right now that there are people, not necessarily sitting here, because a lot of people that come to this church are not sitting here today. But there are people who have been under the sound of this ministry and a part of this ministry, who don't know, they evidently don't know, don't realize it, don't understand it, have no spiritual grasp of the fact that they're walking in rebellion every day. And when you walk that in that path, when you walk that path, you will not have spiritual victory. You'll have contention and contentiousness. You'll have divisiveness. You'll have quarrelsomeness. You'll have disunity. I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about anything we've got going on in our church, by the way. Don't misunderstand me. We don't have anything like that in this church. If they do, it's a secret from me. So thank God. But people do have it in their lives. People have it in their individual lives. And, and, and when that is the case, you need to get over that and hear the voice of the Lord. Follow the Holy Spirit and do what he's told you to do. Even if you don't know what the final outcome is going to be. Because these people who were told to wait in Jerusalem weren't told how long they had to wait. If the Lord had said to them, well, it's going to be three days, they might have said, okay, well, I can handle it for three days. If he had told them it's going to be ten more days, they might, yeah, maybe, might not be able to make it that long. Who knows? The point of the matter is, and what really really is a factor in it all, is that God, the Lord Jesus Christ, authoritatively said to them, wait in Jerusalem And you'll be receiving power from heaven. And they did not do it. So when you recognize God's word and hear God's word, I'm preaching to you God's word this morning. This is far beyond what I planned to say this morning. Because this point I believe is so important. God sees it's important. That we recognize and do something about it in our lives. You say, well, pastor, are you talking to me? Are you hearing me? Well, then, yes, I'm talking to you. I'm not saying because you're hearing me that you're in rebellion and that you're not doing what God said. I'm saying to you because you're hearing me, you need to learn to do what God says. Obey him, live for him, and not live in rebellion. That's the, where the victory is. Hallelujah. That's the victory. They made a decision not to obey. Pentecost is not about that. Pentecost is about obedience. It's about surrender. It's about yielding. It's about receiving. But the vast, the number of them, the largest number of them didn't receive because they didn't stay and they didn't obey the word of the Lord. So those who departed missed great things. They missed opportunities. They missed great blessings. They missed the great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You're talking about 
outpouring to overflowing. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. Glory to God. So those who stayed received a great infusion of God's power in their lives. Were they, no more, were they more worthy than the people who left? Were they better people than those who left? Were they higher up on the spiritual ladder? No, here's the difference in those who left and those who stayed. Obedience. That's the difference. Those who left were disobedient. Those who stayed were obedient. That did not make them spiritual giants above all others, but it made them spiritually, more spiritually intelligent than all the others because they had sense enough to do what Jesus told them to do. Well, if we could just sense, get, if, we, if we could just get our, if we could just get, a, uh, if we had enough good sense, that's what I'm trying to say. If we had enough good sense to do what the Lord told us to do, we'd always be in the right place, wouldn't we? At the right time, glory to God. And some of you are going to sit here and say, he's talking to me because he hasn't seen me for a while. No, I'm not. No, no. If you're willing to take the consequences, I'm willing to let you do it. I, you know, I can't make anybody obey the Lord. If you sit here and come here every time, I can't make you walk at, during the week. I can't make you walk in obedience to the Lord. All I can do is tell you the truth and just pray and believe that you'll be able to live by it and do it. And God help you to do it. God help you to do it. And me too. I've asked the Lord today, this week, and especially even this morning, I've asked the Lord today to help me understand really what Pentecost means to me and what it is to me. And I thought this morning as I dwelt on that, I needed to share with you that Pentecost is a day of beginning. We look at this week and we say, we've been talking about 50 days and 50 days of power from Easter to Pentecost. And like this is the culmination, the climax, the conclusion. Oh, it isn't. It isn't that. Pentecost was a day of beginning. It was a day of a new start. They were going to live their lives from that point on in the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter had greater power than he ever had before. John had greater anointing than he ever had before. James had greater authority than he ever had before. All the apostles were full of the Holy Spirit, walking in the power of the Lord, anointing of the Lord. They had more of God than they had ever had before. It was a day of new beginning. They were starting out in a ministry with a greater power than they had ever had in all of their lives. And glory to God, the evidence came forth about it. The book of Acts tells just how that came about in so many ways. It doesn't tell all of it because it all couldn't be recorded. But, that, but, it, was, but it was a great day of beginning for the church. And Pentecostal power is that. Pentecostal power is beginning a walk in the anointing of the Holy Spirit, walking in the depth of Him, walking in a closeness with Him that you have not experienced before. That's what this new experience is of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Someday I'm going to take, my, take the time to tell you about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, and uh, you know, I, sometimes I'm amazed. I'm amazed that I could have ever gotten saved. It, just by the grace of God as it is always by the grace of God how I could have ever come to the point that I did to, to get saved sometimes I dwell on it and I say that just had to be God 
It was totally so un, totally unlike me. It had to be God. And when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, the same thing happened. Uh, it, it, you know, I, I, when I tell that experience, people, people laugh and then they cry. And so I, I'm going to have to tell that. I'm going to announce it ahead of time. Sometimes tell you about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And what I will tell you is when I will tell you how I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I will tell you this is not the way to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> not the way I did. It's much, it's much better if you, because I didn't know anything and nobody was around me who knew enough to teach me. So I couldn't learn anything because nobody knew how to tell me. What they told me was to do this and I did what they told me. And after a while it worked because I think God just had mercy on me. But I, if I were teaching you how to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I wouldn't teach you the way I received it. So I'll save that for another time. But you do need to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need to receive the fullness of the Spirit. You need to know the flow of the Spirit in your life. Now, I'm not, I'm not, when I say this now, I'm not just talking about speaking in tongues. I'm dis, not disparaging that at all. I do it every day of my life. I'm not disparaging that in any way at all. I'm just simply saying that's, I'm, I'm talking about that just as one evidence of the Holy Spirit working in your life. There are great evidences and great power, great authority that's exercised in your life that's even beyond that message of, of the Lord that comes through you in speaking in another language. There's a power of God that is authority in your life that enables you to stand and, and, and be firm and live victoriously and know what God is doing is being done in your life. So Pentecostal power is power for witnessing. It's power for you to share with other people. Now, you don't have to go telling everybody you know and everybody you see on the street corner and grab them by the lapel and say, I got something to tell you about Jesus. You'll probably turn them away if you do that anyway. But it gives you authority to live above the things around you and let people see something different in your life. And when you have the opportunity, the willingness and the freedom to speak to somebody about Jesus coming into their life and, 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 and do you know him as Savior this is the time to receive him as Savior. That's the powerful witnessing that the Holy Spirit gives you. Peter became a great, powerful witness after the day of Pentecost. You know, you can see the nature of Peter flourish after God really got hold of him and filled him with the Holy Spirit. It just, it just began to flourish so that you can see that, that bold, audacious man. God just took all of that in control and when the day of Pentecost came and they were being questioned about what was happening, it was, it, because it was a feast of Pentecost, many people from all over the countries had come into Jerusalem for that day. And so it, it, it was a great opportunity to preach the gospel and get the word spread quickly to other parts of the world. Peter stood up and spoke boldly and powerfully as he began to declare the message of the Lord and, and, and he said, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. They were all worshipers of Judaism. They knew about the prophets. They knew what Joel had prophesied, that the day of the Holy Spirit would come. Their young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And, the, the, and that the Spirit of God would be poured out upon all flesh. And that's exactly what Peter said in that great testimony that he gave to the multitude of people that day when he declared that, that the Holy Spirit has come and this is the fulfillment of that prophecy. How did he know that? He knew it because the Holy Spirit revealed it to him that day in the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came into his life. 
He revealed it to him. This is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel. And Peter stood up and proclaimed it boldly and victoriously. And when he did, more than 3,000 souls were added to the kingdom that day. The powerful witness. And the witness continued on. You know, it was a great witness in the power of God when the lame man was healed. That's recorded in the next chapter of Acts. It was a great witness for the Lord when Philip, one of those who was baptized in the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, went down into Samaria and preached a revival and people began to come to Jesus and believe in Christ, get saved. Samaria of all places. Remember, that was the place that hated the Jews and the Jews hated them. But here's a Jewish man who goes down there to preach revival and God does some great work overcoming all those obstacles and sends a great revival and 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 the place is flooded with the grace of God and many people are saved. And then the Lord lifted Philip up and uh, lifted him out and took him to another place on the side of the road where he saw one man riding in a chariot, reading the Bible. He didn't understand it. Philip got up there and explained it to him, won that man to the Lord. But he was a high-ranking person in the nation of Ethiopia. So when he went back to Ethiopia, he went with Christ in his heart and he could spread spread the word to the leadership of his country and all, all over there. So God worked in mighty ways through the power of witnessing that the Holy Spirit brings to us. So, so the power, the Pentecostal power is for witnessing. And then I want to tell you that Pentecostal power is for prayer. Prayer is one of the most difficult things that the Christian has to do. If it, if it were not so difficult, we'd pray a lot more than we do. And it's difficult, in, in, it is, it's not difficult to, to sit down and say a few words. But when you are ready to, to prevail with God and travail before the Lord, there's a burden that comes that is beyond anything that's human. And it, it is spiritual. And you find yourself in the throes of that spiritual battle. But God gives you the anointing, the blessing, the encouragement, the strength, the guidance, the revelation. He gives you what you need to come through that and to pray in the depth and the power of God. I'm going to say something to you about prayer this morning that will be beyond a lot of people here. But I'm going to tell you nevertheless, because it may happen to you sometime, you need to know about it, and, and, and you need to believe and pray that it will happen to you, because if you go into the depth of prayer, the Holy Spirit is going to do something in your life. I'm not talking about now just get up and saying, Our Father in the morning or a Hail Mary in the evening. Well, I'm not talking about saying a Hail Mary at all. But. <laughs> My apologies to some of you. You know I'm not just being critical when I say that. <clears throat> but, but I'm talking about the reality of prayer. And there's some things that people are taught to pray that are not real. Some people are taught to pray wrong. They're taught to pray the wrong direction, the wrong persons, the wrong ones. There's only one direction to pray, and that is to God the Father through Jesus Christ the Son. And the Holy Spirit is the one who illuminates that path of prayer to us and makes it real to us. And there comes a time, all of you know Romans 8.28. I'm not going to ask you to stand up and quote it. But you know what, how many of you know what Romans 8.28 says? Okay. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, that we're the, called according to his purpose. 
Do you know what Romans 26 and 27 says before it comes to that place? Let me give it to you so that I can give it to you accurately. In the same way, the Spirit helps our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. Oftentimes, we don't know what we ought to pray for. Listen, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans, through that which is beyond words that you can speak, through language that is beyond what you know. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us with wordless groans. I chose that translation. That's the NIV. There are others that make it just as clear. That it is a work of the Holy Spirit. This engagement of prayer is not just saying a blessing before the meal. It's not just saying a few words of prayer before you leave in the morning so you can say we had our devotional. It's a time of you personally finding your secret place with God. Finding your place in the depth of his presence and his power. When the Holy Spirit comes and speaks, perhaps in ways that that you don't understand. But this is the benefit of the Holy Spirit now. When he prays in this way through us, we know that he is always praying for the will of the Father. He is always praying the will of the Father. And the next verse goes on to tell us that. It says, and he who searches our hearts, our Father God searches our hearts. He knows the mind of the Spirit because the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. The Father knows the mind of the Spirit. There's an integration into that one God that we worship who we know as God the Father God the Son, Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit prays through us, he can speak any way he wants to speak, whether it's with wordless groans, syllables we don't know, language that doesn't mean anything to us, particularly with our understanding. But the one who does understand it is the one who's hearing prayer and the one who answers prayer. He always knows because he searches our hearts and he knows us and he knows the Holy Spirit. He brings us together in that glorious combination of communication with him and the Holy Spirit works over us and works through us in the glory of God to bring victory and answers to prayer. So I'm going to read that passage one more time. In the same way the Spirit himself helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for. This is not all the time. This is sometimes. This is in that depth. When you come into that depth and the Spirit of God's doing something and you don't know what it is you're praying for, what you need to pray for, what you should pray for. But the Spirit knows. And then the Spirit himself intercedes for us. Through wordless groans, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Always in accordance with the will of God. I'm going to give you just one simple little example of this. Just one simple little example. You don't know what's going to happen 
I started to say tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen the rest of the day. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or the next day. What we do know is that we're in the hands of God. And there are times when God sees something ahead that we don't see and we'll never see until it happens. But God sees and God knows. And if you're praying in the Spirit, He can intercede for that event that you don't know about. And He can prepare the circumstances and prepare you in whatever way he chooses to do. But he can get you ready to face anything you have to face. And not only that, he can change the course of events that you don't even know he's done it. Sometimes, I'm not saying this is anything. It, It may be nothing but my own idiosyncrasy. I am peculiar in some ways. I wish I hadn't said that. Carol, I'm going to hold that over me for the next two weeks. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but, you know, I, 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 sometimes I think I'll be driving somewhere and I think, well, you know, I, when I go out of this church, for example, I go out to Pine Avenue, I almost always turn to the left. Almost always. Sometimes I just say, well, this is not any reason. I'll just turn to the right and I'll drive 30 miles an hour instead of being by the way if you drive on Pine Avenue it's 30 miles an hour I had a sheriff's deputy tell me that (laughs) she thought I should have seen the sign I didn't but she was kind enough to inform me it's 30 miles an hour all the way down Pine Avenue just so you know But sometimes I turn and go down that way. She didn't give me a ticket, by the way. But but uh, but sometimes uh, I turn and go down that way just to be different. Uh, just because I'm so go the other way, probably ninety nine percent of the time. Why do I do that? I don't really know. But I do know this: God knows every step ahead of me when I don't know. God knows if I turn to the left at that particular time, there may be somebody coming around that sharp halfway blind curve down here. Which way is it? That way, I think. Anyway, the curve that turns into Hibernia. Somebody's going to be coming making that cutting short and head on. I don't know. I wouldn't say that that's why I do that. But I will say this. I know this. I'm walking and driving and living in the hands of God and the Holy Spirit knows ahead what I don't know and if I let the Holy Spirit lead me he'll lead me the right way he'll lead me to victory he'll take me safe and he'll lead me to where he wants me to be that's where I want to be where he wants me to be hallelujah glory to God hallelujah and I don't have time to tell you that Pentecost is for the power of revelation but I will just simply say this one of the great ministries of Jesus is, is, is to, to dwell in our hearts. And the Holy Spirit makes us know that he's dwelling in our hearts and reveals all about Jesus to us. Jesus said, when he comes, he will speak of me. And that's the glorious thing. The Holy Spirit in your life is speaking of Jesus. Let's stand. We're going to sing a song right now. Holy Spirit. About the Holy Spirit. The glory of the power of God. And when you feel like standing and raising your hands and glorifying and praising God, go ahead and do it. Let's just worship the Lord and let the Spirit of God move. In our midst today, we're going to walk with the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. You know, I do not want us to in any way. I don't even want us to diminish.
diminish the power of God. I was going to talk about, and later on perhaps I will, as we're going to dwell on the Holy Spirit some more in coming Sundays. But we have seen great answers to prayer in this place. I would categorize, and I I won't try to explain miracles right now, but I'll just say I would categorize some as miracles. And, and we must not forget and take for granted the miraculous things that God has done. 